Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. With Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 98. Live, laugh, love, it's the end times. Content warning we say bad words and have juvenile senses of humor. If you don't, you might want to step out of the room now before we turn you into a knuckle dragging mouth breather. The rest of you mouth breathers can stick around. Hello and welcome to the 98th episode of the Revolting Podcast. I'm Steve, that's Robot, and we are here today to talk about stuff. The stuff. <laughs> what do we got? Oh, let's just start like just chipping away, going down the list. We got all right. Some things to talk about before we talk about some other things, and and then we'll talk about about some other things. Then we'll get to some stuff. Uh, first, shoutouts Reggie Labelle and Hayden Stone for getting in touch to say that we're awesome. You're right. Thank you for pointing it out. Uh, it's very helpful. In all seriousness, my self-esteem is very low, so everyone who gets in touch to say this thing is worthwhile to them, I appreciate it, and it helps me go on. Um, answer to last week's user question, or I don't even know what week it is. I don't know how time works. I am always like, which question are they answering? Because I forget that... <laughs> They don't hear the question until six days after I ask it, and then I forget. I forget what it was, but Scott Belay got in touch to tell us that he discovered Red Fang here on the podcast, and now Steve would like to say mean things to you. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, I was uh, making fun of that because how the, like where where have you fucking been that that this is the place where you might discover. A band like Red Fang because they've been uh, prolific and visible for for so long. And I was making crack, but cracks before we started recording about how somebody fat discovered this cutting edge new band called Aerosmith on this podcast, which is not you quite. Know, that's I'm being facetious with that. Everybody receives the word of the Dark Lord in their own time. Right, right. I did. You know, um, I don't know how I came about. Somebody turned me on to Red Fang at some point. It was it was like maybe the day that the prehistoric dog video had gotten released. And I was just like, of course, I was as taken with it as anyone who saw it was. And I put it on immediately. I put it on uh, the website and they went on tour shortly after. And um, I think Aaron actually emailed me and was like, do are we do we know you? And I said, no. And he said, uh, we played in Boise and I would, I would say that half the people there were there on your recommendation. And I was like, oh man, that's fucking cool. And he's like, all of the traffic for the prehistoric dog video is coming from your website. So we just assumed that we we probably knew each other. And I was like, no, I just, it's a fucking great, it's a great record. It's a great song. It's a great video. And you know, 
Um, and now they're like worldwide superstars and they tour everywhere and cost a fortune to get play your party. And it's great. Um, I think, I think I, I don't know that I ever give you credit for really turning me on to music. Although I have been pumping that drips record that you turned me on to, but I think I saw the Red Fang video on your website. I think I learned about Red Fang from you because, and this is a thing that, uh, uh, goes unnoticed perhaps many of these bands are big but they're big regionally like you're always complaining to me about the bands that you never get to see because they're east coast bands mm-hmm. mm. well yeah yeah uh, there, there's a couple there's a, a couple uh sort of new england bands that i would really like to see but that's you know how wide is america uh ten thousand miles yeah, it's about fourteen thousand miles. Fourteen thousand miles wide, and about and six thousand you know, feet deep. <laughs> they're never, they're never gonna. You know, I've been trying to get uh, Mother and Iron Horse to come. I'm like, look, I got one air mattress. All four of you guys can sleep on. I'll book the fucking show. Uh, I'll pay you at least five hundred dollars of whatever you require. Um, you know, but that's a that's a huge trip and it's i can't even fucking i can't even get gaytheist to play uh in bellingham like they whatever uh i digress you're right there are bands that i want to see on the east coast or from new england that just can't make it this far but it's only because it's an impossibility for me to see them that i it makes me want to see them extra bad yeah all, all the bands around here i'm like meh can't see them but they never you know same diff same diff. I, I just think Scott uh, is probably out on Rumspringer right now from his Mennonite, <laughs> his Mennonite thing, and so he's tapped into he's t- tapped into this cultural wellspring that is the revolting podcast. Don't, don't knock a guy down when he's out on Rumspringer. He's just right. trying to sow his seed and vape some bubblegum vapes while he's out. Out <laughs> oh, bumping his horse-drawn carriage, picking up ladies. Yeah, that's that's rich. Uh, yeah, oh. no, no, that's great. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that he found Red Fang. You know, better here than in the streets. That's right. That is right. Um. New listener question. I haven't even gotten answers to the last one. I don't, again, I don't really know how this works. Um, it's, it's complicated. And I did, I think, did I, did, had I checked my email, uh, my uh, Steve Little Cycling Independent email at when last we recorded? Um, I don't remember. That happened in the past, probably. Well, I checked it and I think I replied to at least a couple of emails and then I saw that you were CC'd on some other emails, so I didn't bother with those. Oh, I probably replied to them, but then it bounced because when your email is robot <laughs> at all of the right. algorithms are like you you just nope. told us you're a robot. It's uh it's it's like the, the technology goes not in my house. Not and in my house. I'm like, come on, let me should tell you which squares the motorcycles are in and just send my emails please uh um okay so yeah i don't know i don't know what's happening either plus we're recording this week we're recording twice in a week because next week i'm going to be balled up so this is like an extra extra curveball screwball i watched a inner uh interview with kurt vonnegut 
and it was uh, old, obviously, because uh, Kurt's dead now. But some uh, pretentious British guy was asking him about Slaughterhouse-Five, and uh, Vonnegut was saying, like, he really thinks he's unstuck in time. He said, no, I really believe, like, I wrote the book about being unstuck in time. Yeah, Kevin, uh, Kevin Wilkins posted that. And then I reposted that. I saw that interview also, is, and then I looked up. Is that the, where I saw it from your thing? Maybe I I, I, I saw it in in Kevin's and uh, and then and then I I reposted it. I'm fascinated with Kurt Vonnegut, and I've got a, a Breakfast of Champions. I borrowed yeah. I borrowed that uh, maybe a year ago, and it's been <laughs> sitting on my ottoman. The, ever since and I just I'm so fascinated by him and that interview was like man I really got to read that book and I, <laughs> just like, I'm so I'm so fucking slow when it comes to r- r- reading um, well one day we'll have Sorry. revolting book club and we'll talk about the books you have written that'll be fun but uh, whatever Vonnegut's talking about I think he's probably high on drugs uh, uh, quite a lot during that period of his life. I could be wrong, uh, but I I also have that sense of being unstuck in time where people are like, that just happened on Tuesday. I'm like, which Tuesday? <laughs> mm-hmm. What? So, uh, long story short, too late on the listener questions is I'm just going to share people's answers as they come in. I can't, I can't do it chronologically. Ah. I'm just going to do my best with it, but I am, we are genuinely interested in what people are thinking, right? I am. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with that, I will give you the new listener question, which is, hey, how you been sleeping? Any weird dreams lately? That's, that's the listener question. It makes uh, it, it makes it a little bit more, um, what's the word? Particip- participatory? Yes. Where you and I are engaging, but then people can engage secondarily and chime in. And then I'll give it, that just gives us more junk to talk about. Yeah, it's more junk to talk about. And it also makes me feel less, and this is in keeping with today's topic, but it makes me feel less like I'm howling into the void. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. And people can get back to us on our cycling independent emails or direct messages or whatever. Like anything that I get that is usually pertains this uh whether it's criticism compliments threats whatever uh, i always afford those to robot as well so you know like it's all it besides the emails that come to me that i <laughs> that i don't respond to um uh, I, I also always... don't respond to this other thing i give it to robots <laughs> no, to i do to. <laughs> <laughs> i do i do share those with robots so that um it's not like nothing ever gets lost it's all acknowledged or you know taken into consideration some way shape or form um uh, so yeah how have we been sleeping lately and have we had any weird dreams uh just as a quick note uh i have been sleeping like shit which is not that unusual but i jesus um sometimes if uh because my sleep schedule is all fucked up it takes me like three days to recover after my bar shift and if i work two bar shifts it takes me a whole week to recover and I'm constantly needing to nap. And then I'm, uh, I've been working in my studio like all day, every day for the last week. And then I need a nap there. And so I like fall asleep for 15 minutes and I'm kind of okay, but it, yeah, I'm just kind of all over the place. So sometimes I'll take a Tylenol PM. Um, 
Yeah, but not often. And uh, sometimes I'll take a little bit of melatonin, but not often. Uh, weed gummies are pretty good. Um, but I got some ashwanga root extract. And ashwagandha? I, ashwagandha? Ashwagandha. I think so. Yeah, that's right. I, in fact, I rehearsed that word like four times before we started recording, and I, I still fucked it up. So ashwagandha. Uh, I took one, and I woke up at like three in the morning, same as usual, but I was like catatonic. Like, I went out to pee. I may have peed in the bathtub or like, just in the sink or on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And then went back to bed and went back to sleep, and everything was money. Um, but I thought, okay, maybe if I take two, that'll because it says take one to two. I took two, and I woke up, and I was... I had like sleep paralysis and I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> it didn't hurt, but just my heart was like palpitating. So yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't sleep is uh, elusive these I think days. Putin is trying to rub you out. I, I don't know where you got these ashwagandhas from, but I think Putin is trying to rub you out. <laughs> uh, they were a birthday present, part of a birthday present package. You know, like everybody... It's constantly like it's a it's a topic of conversation. Like, hey, how you sleeping? How you feeling? What's happening? Touching base. How's your head, heart, soul, nervous system? And you know, a lot of times people say, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm struggling with this thing. I'm struggling with this thing too. What have you done that helps?" Well, uh, in this case, you know, hadn't been sleeping super good. Tried this stuff on the recommendation of a holistic healer or acupuncturist or naturopath or whatever. So they say, this worked for me. Why don't you give it a try? And then I have sleep paralysis and heart attacks. So maybe that's, you know, what didn't work for me might work for somebody else as well. Yeah. I they, also have been sleeping uh, in a manner reminiscent of garbage. I woke mm. up this morning. You know, I have crafted for myself what I think is one of the lower stress jobs that a person can have. 100%. And yet I woke up this morning like, oh, what are we going to talk about on the podcast today? I got to write those notes and then I got to I got to write a press release about a bike thing. And then I got to write another press release about another bike thing. And I got to uh, sell a couple bikes. And then I got I just I like this is dumb shit. It's dumb right, shit. Right. Um, right. Uh, but uh, it wakes me up and I have my we just retroactively. Sorry. I didn't mean to uh, talk about bikes there, but uh, uh, also my 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 dreams are just weird as fuck. I don't want to tell anyone about them, but I will say that everyone I've ever known appears in them and they're all doing things that confuse me. Uh, are they vivid? Are they and you, they're like memorable and like oh, yeah, everything yeah, yeah, you wake yeah. up and it's all clear in your head? There are very recurring themes, and you won't be surprised to find out that one of the recurring themes is, I'm late. Mm. Uh, okay, have we talked about dreams and, like, reoccurring dreams? Have we ever covered that? I think that's a pretty interesting topic. Uh, I think we've, we've maybe brushed up against it. We've caressed it, but not fully cuddled it. Long, for a long time, I had the the school anxiety dream where you you know oh, yeah. you lo lose your locker combination. It was really cliche, and then all of a sudden it's the last day of school, and then it's finals, and you never even been to this one class, or you're you know you find out that you like failed a <clears throat> or skipped a 
physical education credit in middle school and it nullifies your secondary education. So I'm a grown <laughs> adult and I have to go back to elementary school or whatever. Um, stopped having those. And now the dream that I have once a month, probably once a month, is that I see like a construction site or I happen by a construction site and I suddenly am struck with the fact that I was, uh, I was, I took part in some murder there. I, yep, and, the, and sure. there's a, and there's a body buried where they're digging and they're going to find it. And they're, and then I'm going to go to jail and like, but I, it was such a traumatic thing that I have completely put it out of my mind until this one thing and then I'm like holy fuck I can't believe I murdered somebody and now everything is like like you just remembered that you murdered somebody I like that yeah yeah but it's so it's so visceral like it's so realistic I can feel the dread uh, like the the regret of of having been a party to this event and the the dread of what's coming and, um, and it's like, it's just the same scenario. It's a different environment every time. And it's a different body every time. And I don't like, I don't know, do I go to the cops now and like try to head this thing off at the, at the junction or do I just let it ride out and maybe I won't get busted and I can bury it back in my subconscious if do they know it's the most insane sensation. I have no fucking idea when it started within the last couple of years. And it's just relentless i mean it sounds to me like it's your first murder you obviously don't know how to deal with this stuff so no, uh, for sure. the good news is that uh as a murderer goes you're a total noob that's the good news uh-huh. you're not like rotten in your core i don't think i i murdered i didn't murder the person i was just a part of the cover-up oh yeah <laughs> My uh, the one I have, the school one that I have is college time. And well, for years I had the you're late for the exam that you're not prepared for uh, and you don't know where it is. Mm -hmm. um, and then that one sort of developed into it's the end of the year and you have to move out of your apartment. None of your roommates want to live with you again and you have no place to go. Good luck. <laughs> uh, and then the, the, the other one that I have actually quite a lot now is that I'm in a race. It might be a um, it might be a running race usually, but it could also be a bike race. Uh, and the thing is that I don't know where the course is. And, and, and that can take that can take two forms. There's one form where I'm way behind and I've got to catch up, but I don't know what where the course is, so I don't know how to catch up. The other one is I'm actually winning the race and I have a shot at achieving something, but I don't know where the course <laughs> is and everyone is going to pass me. Uh, it's almost, uh, I mean, to, uh, it seems pretty clear to you. It's not that much of a stretch to analyze those. <laughs> um, no, probably not. It's, it's pretty evident what that means. That's, that's you having feeling like you have no idea how to exist and there's this end goal and you're trying to achieve it, but you have, you don't know how to get there. Yeah. Or I think I have a shot at achieving this, but I, I mean, it's, this, it's, it's the exact, it's exactly what's taking place in the dream. There's no. Yeah. I'm uh, very I, simple. I'm I, so, I wish that there were like 
uh, pink elephants floating through the sky in my dream. I also wish that I had any pleasant dreams that I remembered. Any at all. Like, I don't remember the last time I had a dream where a good thing happened and I was like, hmm, ah, that was a delicious pizza or uh, anything, anything. Skateboarding is not that hard. I used to have dreams where I could do tricks and I was like, oh, that's how you fucking do it. I have dreams that I can wheelie sometimes. Yep. For as many hundreds of thousands of hours as I've spent on a bike slide whistle, uh, I. (laughs) Thank you. I can't, I can't do a wheelie to save my life. But then I have dreams and I'm like, oh, you you just get on the back wheel and ride. I don't want to detour into wheelies when we're doing this really fascinating thing that everyone loves where we tell people about our dreams. But (laughs) (laughs) I also can't wheelie, but I know how to wheelie. And I keep thinking, oh, if I just like spend a little time on that, I can do it. But I'll just do that later because I know how and that's just fine. Yeah, okay. sometimes I feel sort of the same way. But also, like, you know, you're like some white trash hessian with a mullet and one foot comes out of the gas station in his greasy coveralls and gets on your bike and rides like a seven-block wheelie. And you're like, what the fuck, man? I think there's some people got it and some people don't. It's a gene. It's an inner ear thing. I don't know. There's a couple kids in my town. Like, if I'm out at around the time kids are going to school, you'll be like, um, you'll be like driving along and some kid will just wheelie by you in the middle of traffic going the other direction. And it's the little kid wheelie is awesome because it's like a little higher than the like pro bike wheelie. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like it's in this like precarious about to fall backwards on his back, but totally comfortable with that. Fears, no injury, nothing. But it's just like on the verge of con- catastrophe yeah that's somebody who hasn't yet broken their coccyx that's true uh, i mean i assume there's uh oh man uh who's i was gonna a whole bunch of things about wheelies popped into my mind but there's a guy named larry woodruff who was like uh nebraska's like bmx had the won the bmx nebraska state champions championships in like 1982 or something like that but he lived in denver and that fucking guy could it was it it was like breathing for him you know he'd like take his front wheel off and carry that while he's wheeling and i just never understood like i kind of get where the sweet spot is oh i remember what i was going to say there was a picture of scott brythop in an old issue of bmx action doing a wheelie on some rollers and I just, I was like, that's the fucking coolest shit I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that since, but especially on a BMX bike on rollers, like that's gnarly. Did I tell you about the seesaw feature that I fell <laughs> off of a few weeks ago? No, I don't think so. I was at, we were mountain biking at this place up in New Hampshire and they had a seesaw. A bunch of the places here have seesaws, you know, where you ride up mm-hmm. past the past the fulcrum and then it drops down and you go out the other side and they're skinny mm-hmm. or not. Uh, well, I saw uh, we were at this place and I saw one. It was a fr- I, it was sight unseen. I just saw it. and I was like, oh, fuck it. You know, I don't want I, I love falling down and hurting myself. So I'll just go for it. So I rode up the thing. And the, what what I know about them is. You got to keep going past the point, like right past the point of panic. Right. That's the sweet spot with a seesaw. 
So I go up and I get there. And that's when I learn that this particular seesaw rolls. It's on like a big cable spool. Mm. So I have actually still not ridden far enough. I go up to that point. I'm at the absolute highest point I can imagine riding. And then the whole thing rolls, starts to roll forward. And that's when I, uh, that's when it became very clear that I would be hitting the ground real soon, which is what happened. Fuck that. Yeah. That sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, I don't ride, I ride flats now, so it, it could have been much worse. Yeah. I was not clipped in, but that's solid bike content. I'm not even going to do the slide whistle again because it's getting obnoxious now. There was, uh, I'm always afraid, there was a seesaw in Santa Cruz that was not huge, but it was, you know, high enough that you yeah. could really fuck yourself up if you fell off of it. And I had this immediate phobia, kind of like any time I jump off of a cliff into a swimming hole, I'm like, oh, that's where the rock is going to be, or that's where the pylon is going to be, or that's where somebody planted a pitchfork or whatever the fucking <laughs> urban right. legend is. Uh, somebody will have mounted the, the leading end, like screwed it, like lagged it into the ground, and I'm going to yeah. ride to the very end and then just be out there like... Wiley Coyote dangling off the edge of the cliff, you know? And so, and I don't know why, but like, I just, anymore, like jumping off of my bike from heights because I did that once and completely destroyed my knee. I don't want to, you know, like Rick Hunter says, I just keep my wheels on the ground. Or something like that. Like, Can you do it again? Can you do the Rick Hunter impression (laughs) one more time? Well, I got it. So, uh, we were in a race together. I've probably told the story. We were in a race together and, and I was like extra fit at this time, but Rick is always the fastest guy and the most unassuming. And he's riding this clapped out rusty load or, uh, you know, a cross bike with mismatched tires and wheels and brakes or whatever. But he's just, he's just a really capable bike rider. Um, and, uh, we do, uh, it was an outlaw race in, uh, Pine Mountain, in Marin, uh, outlaw single speed race. And, it, and I, I was, I think I was like, had a solid second place and I was closing in on the leader and it was this big baby head, like gnarly descent to the finish line. And I'm just gassed. And here comes Rick in his like yellow parka and his glasses are kind of like, Dr. Bunsen honeydew, like they're down a little bit. So all you can see is skin above and skin below and his eyes are hidden. And I'm I like, I didn't Rick. expect Dr. Bunsen honeydew to come up today. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. I, I'm like, Rick, man, just let me have this one, you know? And he just rides by and you can't see his eyes. And he's probably, you know, it seems, it sounds like he's kind of high, but he's probably not. He's just mellow and not breathing hard. And he goes, just keep on pedaling. I'm like, fuck, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> keep on, just keep on pedaling. So, yeah, he's got, uh, he's a sage of wisdom, that guy. And a, and a heartbreaker, too. And a heartbreaker. Um, okay, let's get into uh, what we got. We're half an hour in, we not touched shit. So, let's yeah. do music picks and then uh, get a word. Uh, 
We just do the digressions all up front now. We don't even digress later. We just digress right up front. All right, music pick. Um, I, I, I mentioned Sonic Youth uh, recently, uh, and that made me think to go back and listen to the record Goo. And I don't know. This is a real obvious pick. It's one of those records. But I went back and listened to it, and I was like, there's a reason it's obvious. It is, it's really good. And Sonic Youth does this trick where they make, like, noisy art rock that is toe-tapping catchy. Isn't that, wasn't that kind of their, like, their mainstream breakout record kind of a thing? Yeah, it was. That had dirty Um, boots on it, yeah. Yeah, it has dirty boots on it. It's got a bunch of good songs. It's a really fucking good record. I think a lot of people like I'm not a huge Sonic Youth fan, don't get me wrong. But I think they're I think they're sort of like wheelies for me, where like I know they're there. I'll get to them <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, I feel the I feel the same way. I do I've I mean everything I've heard off that record I liked. Uh, I had uh, maybe my fir- my first proper lap dance uh, was to Dirty Boots. Um, oh. At uh, uh, what was it called? The not Mary's. Shit, it's the one that closed. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, and I so from that point forward, I was like, oh, that song is. Now I have like this this indelible memory always attached to to that song but I don't <laughs> I don't know <laughs> some people are like oh that was a song I listened to you know like on my road trip with my first girlfriend or something and it's like no this is, I have my first lap dance to that song <laughs> you said well the first time you said that you said my first proper lap dance and I was wondering if there was an improper one that preceded it uh, it's just not it's just not, I didn't I, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what I was doing um, oh uh, I, I was like I was at the same bar in portland and i think sally from hodala bought it for me and i i was like i don't want i don't want to do this this is weird and she wasn't into it and i was kind of like i was out of sorts but then the the next one i was like i went in there with purpose and uh yeah i totally loved this woman too jen she's Uh the best you you were like i'm gonna go in there and get my lap danced yeah lap danced upon yeah, and she, and she was super cool. She's an artist. She did uh, stained glass stuff, and had lived. She like knew my hometown, and we talked. Her her housemate was a bike racer, and we talked about bikes and mountains, and I don't know. She was really interesting. She did like a archi- interior architect um, by day, and then danced at night. She was rad. Uh, huh. Anyway, that's uh, so that that Sonic record. Youth goo. <laughs> that record is. Uh, it's always it's sort of the record that's always playing somewhere. Right. But, but like the, you know, like I always, I've heard it a ton, but I've never really listened to it. Yeah. I think Sonic youth is like that. They're like the background radiation in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what have you uh, been, uh, ear, ear jobbing? I made uh, that up. No ordinary crown by Will Johnson. It's his new, it's his new record. Uh, and he, he just man, that guy just keeps turning music out. Uh, Will He's Johnson, of South San Gabriel and uh, Centromatic. Yeah, yeah, he's my he's my baby cousin by like six months. Um, uh, and like I joke a lot that all of the talent rolled to that side of the family. <laughs> like 
He's super prolific, really, really talented uh, singer-songwriter. My other cousin is a Juilliard-trained pianist. Uh, Another cousin is a musician. Um, And then there's there's me and whatever. Your Juilliard cousin, how how tall is this person? Uh, You know, I haven't seen them since we were little kids. And then last time I saw them, uh, I was probably four or five. So they're about four feet tall. Oh, so not a very large pianist. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. At the time. Inspired. Not very large. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so, Will. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're just talking about, we're just talking about lab dancing to Sonic Youth, but I, I make s- a lame penis, pianist, jo- a, a said, classical music joke, and you're, you're like, oh. I said I wanted a 12-inch pianist. Yeah. So, uh, Will, his new record. Will. No ordinary crown. The artwork is beautiful. The songs are beautiful. I think I got sixty-seven out of two hundred of the like pink or I don't know. There's a print that comes in it. I don't know if that was what made it limited, but I jumped on the pre-order um, right when it was announced. And uh, and it's funny because Will's always like, um, he's like, no family doesn't pay for music. And I'm like, <laughs> I appreciate that, but. Uh, I don't expect artists to make art for free, you know? Right, right, like right. That, it doesn't cost me anything, and I get to support somebody barely, uh, you know, who has a family and a career and is making this shit, you know? Yeah. Him, his whole life, I remember when he got his first drum kit, you know? And, like, it's wild to have watched his career grow and evolve and you know he was in college and then he was a teacher and then he was a music but he's always been a musician and then he became a full-time musician and he's played and he was in the, a band called funland funland who um they were kind of like a rock outfit you know with other musicians from dallas and then that blew apart and i think the guitarist is now in the, the toadies and he actually will uh, first turn me on to the Toadies, like right after their first EP was released. So whatever, the guy's tied in and he's super talented and his new record is really beautiful. And that's what I've been listening to. I'm going to check that out. I've been meaning to check that out. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know what um, the Internet told me this morning was that uh, the new record by a certain band is out for delivery to my house today. Yeah, 68's new record. It was on. I got that. Did which that? Did you get? Did you do pre-order? They had like three different kinds of splattered vinyls. Yes, I got the least popular one because <laughs> the other two were already sold out. There was like they did like, and also I say vinyls. I I don't like to ref, I don't refer to records as vinyls, but they had three vinyl offerings. That's where I was going with that. I need to yep, clarify. Yep. Um. Uh, they did one that was like 200 and then they did one that was like 350 and then they did one that was, I don't know, 500 or something like that. I got the, I think it's red and white. Yeah. I thought that was the, anyway. Yeah. Those, I don't know. I don't have a notification. Everybody else is going to get the record before I do for sure. I know when I got the notification, I was like, Oh, fucking East coast wins again. I'm going to get this record before (laughs) Steve and I'm going to send him a video of it playing on my turntable and fuck Steve. Oh, those guys are so busy. They've been uh, they were touring and then somewhere along the way found time to record a record and then somewhere along the way found time to shoot three fucking videos 
which one of them is like stop motion. I think it took yeah. it took like t- 12,000 individual positions to make it look like they were moving or something like that. I mean, that had to have been days worth of work. And then, uh, and now they're on tour again, playing in yep. America with a terrible band and playing in Australia with an awesome one. Uh, you and I were having a, had a whole text exchange about this because they're going to be in Boston uh, 12 days from now, but they're playing with a band I don't want to see, and it costs $50 to go, and I, I want to spend the money and go see them, but it's like, ah, oh, show up at 7.30, they're going to be done at 7.50, and you'll mm-hmm. be 50 bucks poorer, and then you'll be standing around with a bunch of fucking emos waiting for this other shitty band to play. I think what you probably, like, what, I mean, if I was... If I was motivated, I would go there and lurk around for sound check or something and say, like, excuse me, can I carry uh, some equipment or something? I really want to see you guys. Can I give you 25 bucks? Because I don't give a fuck about the other band. I just want to see you guys. You know, like, how do you how do you do that? What's a proper etiquette there? I don't know. I don't know. I think I expressed to you that I'm kind of mad at them because they are clearly one of my favorite bands, but they keep touring through here. They were they were out with with corn. They Awful. opened for corn for fuck's sake. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. And I just wonder if corn is standing backstage like, oh, shit. You know, like if they're just because, you know, the show that 68 puts on. Do you do you think corn is like, oh, we're going to we just uh, have pyrotechnics or something. I don't, I don't know. think that your average corn fan is is uh, adept enough at critical thinking to understand like how good what they're seeing is. And they just want the radio new metal. <laughs> Gross. More corns. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I saw them twice with uh, Sparta. And Sparta's not a bad band. It's just, I don't really, they're not, I don't really like them. I want to go back just a second. I, I said standing around with a bunch of fucking emos. I don't hate emos. I'm sorry. I didn't, I, if you were, if you were an emo <laughs> and you're listening to this and maybe even having a little cry because I was harsh, <laughs> I just want to say. <laughs> I don't hate you. I love you. I just is, hate all of the music that you like. <laughs> what is an emo? Yeah, it's, you know, one of those, like, real um, singy, like, one of those um, punk bands that just sings real singy. Like That's Dashboard how I Confessional? Emo. What's that? Dashboard Confessional. Oh, very. See, yes. when we talk about, like, emo, I, I was, and I've seen uh, Guy from Rights of Spring, I've seen interviews where he's like, I we weren't fucking emo, but to my mind, I would say the first, like, the premier pop-punk band is The Descendants, and the first, and the premier e- emo band, if you're going to take it all the way back, would be Rights of Spring. Like, it yeah, was... Yeah, Rights of Spring has nothing to do with the emo that I'm talking about. Right. N- n- none of it. But that was always, like, when I heard that, I was like, this is a different kind of, this is a very charged... Uh, it's not, I mean, any music, there's emotion that goes into any music, but there was something about Rights of Spring that just seemed more uh, that. And, but he, you know, Guy is like, fuck, fuck that. No, we had nothing to do with that. That was, it was just a rock band it was like passion passion core i don't know <laughs> i don't know what you'd call that uh again uh, to jump also i last 
last week's episode, we talked about stuff we didn't like. And yeah. that was motivated by an email that I got. I said it was from Shannon, but Shannon goes by Lee now. So I want to make that correction. Uh, Lee St. Clair. Um, and we really, like, it was kind of hard for me to start talking about stuff I don't like and do, like a negative uh, spin. But then by the time we were done, I, it's all I wanted to talk about was shit that I didn't like. <laughs> really? That was a snowball rolling downhill, that was. <laughs> And today we're going to get into a bunch of other stuff that's kind of, I'll probably, this will probably put me in a funk and I'll just go back to bed after we finished recording. But before we get into that, we need to get a word from our illustrious sponsor. So we'll do that now and be right back in a second. Hi, it's Robot. By this point in the podcast, you're all in. You're going the distance. Not all your life choices are the best, but that's okay. None of us is perfect. Here's where I lay it on the line. We're going to entertain you for an hour. We'll do it again next week. In a month, we're going to give you four hours of belly laughs and deep, deep thoughts. All we need from you is a $3 a month subscription to the Cycling Independent. Three bucks, a cup of coffee, a really cheap beer. You've you've got that money and and we need it. If you've got more, there are five and ten dollar subscriptions, but we're not pushing. We're not pleading. That three dollars would help plenty. And now, back to whatever inane nonsense we were talking about before. And we're back. And we're back. This week we're talking about apocalyptic thinking. Are these really the end times? Uh, Or does it always feel like end times when you're a human being burdened with reflective consciousness? And if it is the end times, what's the appropriate response? Uh, I don't, I remember during the Gulf War, I had a political science teacher and I was asking him like, what do I do? You know, I'm 19. I have a semester left in college. What the fuck? And he's like, I would pack your bags. Like they were talking about reinstating the draft. And if you were in college, you got to finish your term and then you were going to be drafted. And this was not a war that I had any interest in. I had my, my conscientious objection packet. I had letters from people's parents and teachers, photos of me protesting, like the whole thing. I like, I didn't know what to do. And they were like, you can't go to Mexico. You can't go to Canada. Those aren't outs anymore. And I was really freaked out. And I remember calling my mom and she said, uh, you know, when you were born, this was at the tail end of the Vietnam War. And um, I remember holding you and you were, you know, hours old. And I wished my first and primary wish was that you would never have to contend with this. And I was just like, I was sick. I was so sad. And, uh, you know, what we're facing, like the... There's always going to be rattled sabers. There's always going to be world powers at odds with one another. There's always going to be sickness and pestilence and uh, plagues of locusts and imminent environmental collapse. This has always been, but we're this, we're the first generation experiencing this. Now we're the first generation of human beings experiencing what we're experiencing now. It's always been fucking rough. We don't have any perspective of how it was in the 60s or how it was during the Cuban Missile Crisis or how it was during the Black Plague or 
But you've well, that, mentioned, you've mentioned, it just seems like everything, the volume is turned up on everything right now. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the thing. Uh, if you pay attention to news or what, you know, if you, it, it feels like, well, actually we've burned all the matches now. Uh, like, you know, Black Plague, that was rough, but, uh, this is environmental collapse. And I, I have anxiety about that. I think most people do. But then I think, yeah, in the sixth century, they were like, oh, we're, we're fucked now. You know, God's going to come back. There's going to be another flood. You know, there's just something very um, pessimistic built into human consciousness. Mm. And there's apocalyptic theology going back millennia, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Me humankind has been contemplating its imminent demise forever. And that doesn't mean that it's not happening now. <laughs> but how much of this is like collective hallucination, to use a phrase that I think you hit me with earlier in the week? Mm -hmm. And how much of it is real? I don't know. We have access to so much information and there's so many talking heads and so many pundits and so many politicians and everybody's, we have access to all of the perspectives 24 hours a day on every fucking channel on every, uh, media source. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, it, if it's if it's louder or we just are, have a, have far more access to it than people before us have and it, you know i've talked to some people and they're like oh I, I bailed out i tuned i just i left my phone in a drawer and i disappeared for like two weeks or three weeks i didn't turn on the tv i didn't look at the internet and the world is fine you know and if, if that's like sticking your head in the sand i, I get on my dad all the time because i'm like dude you got to stop reading the news you you have to <laughs> yeah. give yourself a break because he is just he is becleft is that the term just absolutely like agonizes bereft, bereft? something it's a word it's, I was, he's, he's a word i was dipping into some my limited understanding or knowledge of yiddish i believe <laughs> uh so he's yeah he's just yep. he's just sick about the state of the world he 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 hates politics verklempt 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 I think I maybe just made a new word it, it's so, a mashup it's a collab so I encourage him consistently like I send him videos about artists and i send him video like funny videos i'm like you got to do palate cleansers sometimes like i spend a lot of time on the internet and it has it has fucked me up uh at times and i have to like do palate cleansers and i have to go to the dodo and and see videos of baby foxes and baby kittens playing together or i have to go and learn about um there's a national geographic has a has a series uh about uh, Norway, like I have to learn about Norway. I have to look at polar bears and I have to look at like, there's so much badass shit on this planet and the planet, the planet's going to be fine. 
planet's going to be fine. It's going to change. It's going to evolve. It might flick us off. Humanity, not long for this world, I don't believe. Maybe a couple of generations left, max. But planet's going to be fine. And, and I find some peace in that. Yeah, I try to spend a little bit of time on my back porch every day. We have a dead tree in our backyard, a dead cherry tree. And it attracts a lot of birds. And I'll I just go back, I'll make a cup of coffee and I'll sit on the back deck on a little we have a little one of those little glider benches. I sit on a little glider bench and I look at the dead tree and wait to see what, what birds come. That's nice. There's a uh, there's an app that a, a friend of my parents was telling me about where you can hold the rec- hold the mic up and it yeah. will it will ice uh it's called Merlin. I ha- yeah. Uh, it isolates. It, it isolates the bird songs and it tells you about each of the birds that you're hearing. That's pretty yeah. cool. I really I use it. I love it. Bird nerdery has been a real. Um, you know, like riding your bike in the woods is a good way to access the good stuff that the woods has. Yeah. Uh, but even just sitting in my backyard, uh, I have some bird feeders. Just just participating in that way with nature is also soothing. Yeah, I used to really like sitting on my front porch and like morning sun, birds, yeah. watching the watching the cat tromp around, look at spiders. It just, I mean, it was it gave me so much peace. And um, uh, I think any opportunity to just again to use the uh, analogy to use the mm, um, what's the word I'm always losing metaphor is to turn the noise down. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I have the problem that I I I see that the five and ten year bond rates are inverting, and I'm like, oh well, what's what does that mean, and what is what is what is that about? And I see that like. Uh, Oh, there's another mammal extinct from... I just follow all these doom threads, right? Doom scrolling, it's a thing. Everyone knows that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, why is it so fascinating? There's something... We were talking about Elliot Smith uh, last week or the week before, uh, mm-hmm. and, like, what beautiful, sad bastard music that is, and, like, oh, I just love to feel sort of sad. I feel like there's some something soothing about doom also. What is that? Why do we lean into that? Mm, uh, I don't know. I have done that, but I try to, I'm trying to unknot this self deprecating, uh, fatalistic sort of, uh, fire that I've often tried to like access to make stuff, to write stuff, to draw stuff, paint stuff. Um, and try to extract that from my nervous system and my consciousness because I realize now uh, uh, that it serves me really no purpose. It doesn't do anything for me. Um, I, I tend to, I mean, the last, you know, few years especially, like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I feel my nervous system is a fucking wreck as it is. I don't feel necessarily safe. I don't feel a lot of security. Um, I joke a halfway that my retirement plan is just dying in the next six months mm-hmm. because, because that's really about 
all I got. Like the, I, I don't have any savings. I don't have retirement. Like I don't have, I don't have anything. I don't have the, a safety net. And my best bet is to finish this painting that I'm working on, uh, pay my bills off and just get the fuck out of here while I'm ahead. It's kind of funny, but like not, nah. I mean, it's like, that's what I, that's kind of what I'm shooting for. And that fucking sucks. Cause I would like to, I'd like to be around forever. I just don't think I can, I can't afford it. It's like, a, what a, what a bummer reality. So, uh, and that's a little tongue in cheek. Like I said, I kind of say it with a tinge of humor. Um, but also I realized at some point, probably five years ago, I think I like, we, this is just a, we, it's a collective hallucination. I don't know if the, I don't know what happened. Something shifted in the universe, on the planet, in humanity. And we sort of started to um, change, get better in some ways and get worse in some ways. And, and this, there's this sort of like, I don't know, the age of Aquarius, <laughs> some planetary, some celestial event. I don't know what took place, but I have gotten to a point where I just don't think we're here anymore. I mean, we're here, we're having well, this conversation, but it, it doesn't actually exist. Almost like this is a simulation, but that not in technical terms. So one of the things that, or I guess the primary thing that the internet does is that it eliminates the distance, right? Like, now we're all living in one collective online space, mm -hmm. right? And uh, your space will vary, but you don't all the way get to decide what's in your internet space because various algorithms and uh, outside actors are thrusting things in front of your eyeballs. So you're living in, so we are living this collective hallucination that is life online. And what I know about hallucinating from times when I've done it recreationally is that sometimes you're totally, you know, it's like, whoa, this is a fun one. And then sometimes you're like, oh, all the kittens that exist in the world are going to be dead kittens soon. <laughs> you know, so like sometimes you can handle the hallucination and sometimes you can't. And as we go along living this online life, you know, it's a life that facilitated the, the actual relationship that you and I have. Right. Uh, so as we go along with it and the, the, the real estate inside and the content of it gets fought over uh, and manipulated, sometimes we can handle it and sometimes we can't. Yeah, if I really start thinking about it, I can't. If I just let it exist and whatever, that is now that's out. That's the thing that's out there. That's yeah. finished. And now I'll think about another, I'll work on another thing that's, that's virtual and doesn't really exist, but does, but it only exists in ones and zeros. And if there's a power surge, it won't exist anymore. I don't know. Like that, it's just too, it's too weird to wrap my mind around. And that's why I like physical media, you know? Yeah. And I think that if you and I hadn't met one another virtually first, 
through uh, whatever channels we did, I think we probably would have met one another um, through actual, like just through bike stuff. Yeah, I, that's and then, probably true. And, and then we would have found out that we had all these other things in common uh, or these other sort of common sensibilities or perspectives. Um, but it does, it's not, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. You tell me. I think re- real, real things are possible. Uh, and what becomes the challenge of modern living is understanding. I, I'm just going to I'm just going to pull this right out of my from betwixt my butt cheeks. We both refer to a person and I hope he's listening. We both refer to a person who lives in New Zealand named Zane Jenkinson. Yeah, I, I've never Jane, met Zane. Zane Jenkin, Jenkingham, I think is his name. <laughs> Zane yeah. in, in New Zealand. We both refer to this person. We've both corresponded with this person. Neither of us has met this person. But I don't we think ag- he exists. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we, ag- we agree that he exists, and we've chosen to believe that he's one of us. Ha, huh, Zane, I see you're also wearing a black T-shirt. Um, <laughs> so th- your ability to deal with the collective hallucination is about your ability to figure out what within it is re- at, has an existence independent of it and is also good but pretty much everything within it is trying to convince you that it's true and real and so you're, you're in a very real sense your ability to fucking deal is your ability to hone your bullshit filter and be able to filter out enough of the fucking nonsense like the five and ten year bond rates inverting i i'll be honest i don't know what it really means but i sounds scary it yeah oh, very scary it means a if recession had, or a depression or a if i if i had a, if i had any bonds that might really stress me out there was uh during the dot-com boom in the 90s pete sinkovic a newscaster i think he was on channel four in the bay area came into a bike shop i was working in this is like 98 i guess and he said he came in and he's like, well, what do you think? Uh, what, what do you think about the, the, the bust? You know, like because it was it was the it, it was tail end of the dot com boom. I can't remember if I just said that. And I was like, well, uh, you know, I was poor before the boom. Uh, I was poor during the boom. And well, Pete, I think I'll probably be poor after the boom because, well, broke is broke. Uh-huh. And then uh, and then they showed me on the news that night and it just showed me working on a bike and it said, uh, Steve of Mike's Bikes in Berkeley, California says he doesn't think the recession is going to affect him. And it was like, oh, man, that was, a fucking, that was the best interview I've ever given. And they they gave me no time. Um, uh, so, yeah, I don't I mean, bonds. Gosh, I hope that doesn't affect, uh, you know, millionaires adversely. That would be terrible. Uh, that'd be rough. Uh, so let's get into when do you expect humanity to extinguish itself from the planet? And if we're not on a rocket ride extinction, how are we going to save ourselves? Uh, fuck. I don't know. I think a couple generations max, um, we're not going to save ourselves. Uh, there's no fucking living on Mars. This is, 
This is just a fucking pipe dream from my perspective. So there's one more question before we get to the would you rather. And before Steve answers it, I just want to say to everyone listening to this on the Monday morning that it comes out, I'm really sorry. This might not be how you want to start your week, but you're already <laughs> an hour in. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you knew for sure that humanity would end in the year 2100, how would that change the way you live the rest of your life? What is this? 2023. 20, uh, so how old will I be? I'll be like 90. You'll be Wait. 129. Oh, tight. Uh, fuck. No. Um, I'll be, so I'll be dead because that's farther. That's uh, six. That's more than six months away. <laughs> that's right. If, if you knew that humanity would end of the year, how would that change? I don't uh, I live as lightly as I can. You know, like I do my best to, to make a small footprint and, uh, you know, make positive impressions. I realized now I live in a, a pretty small town and um, I see people on the street and I, you know, I say hello to people. I recognize people. I, I know people all over the place. I'm not, not that I'm friends with them, but I realize like if I'm a, if I act like a dick, that is gonna, that's going to carry. Um, I, yeah. there, I can't, I can't be a dick anonymously. I, I have to be, I have to own being a dick and and I don't, I don't want to be a dick. I don't think in general I am a dick. I am dickish, <laughs> but I'm not like I'm not um, intentionally mean or or hurtful. Uh, so going forward, uh, sort of like when my boss at Swobo said, "Own the shit that you write," because you are a fixture. All these other people are anonymous. You have to be accountable for everything that you do. And I've gotten used to that virtually, and now I'm getting used to that physically because I there was a air of anonymity that I could hold on to in the Bay Area. I could just be me and and fuck it. There's eight million other of us or ten million other of us, and nobody really pays any attention to what I'm doing. Um, I'm also just now wrapping my mind around the fact that uh, I don't disappear. I'm not invisible uh, when I'm not in the room. You know what I mean? Like, you know how we talk about, we t and, and this isn't talking shit. You just talk about other people that you know. It's funny things that your friends do or some, sure. somebody made some rad music or somebody made some rad art or, or somebody did a funny thing or whatever. It's, everyone you know is constantly in, in your consciousness and is a topic of conversation. <clears throat> it's only been within the last like year that I realized that I exist outside of where I am right that moment. I've always thought that the second I'm out of the room, I don't exist to anyone. Mm. It, it's wild. And so um, now I'm kind of having to kind of readjust the way that I operate a little bit because I real now I'm realizing I don't, I do exist. Like I do the impressions that I make and the, the effect that I have on other people uh, that continues to exist after I've, gone to sleep um so i'm trying to be you know more mindful of of that it's only taken me my entire life to recognize uh so i don't think i would change the way that i live the rest of my life i think i'm going to continue to try to be mindful and kind you know ish uh and um and uh try to put my best foot forward to make good impressions and good uh, vibrations and reflections I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it, and I'm in like with it. What about you? 
Yeah, I think that's it. I think like uh, actually if if there's a terminal point that changes the way you're living, you've been living wrong the whole time. Right. Yeah. But, and I don't think we're, uh, man, I had, so I had a conversation with some women just the night before last and, um, was talking about, they, somebody was saying she, she was 40 or something. She said, I, th- I, th- I kind of thought I'd have my shit together. Like I thought I would know what I needed to know to live life by now. And I said, Oh, I, I felt the exact same way. And now I realize flexibility and malleability is the only way to go through life. Always expect that there is more to learn about yourself, about the people around you. You know, you're never done learning lessons. And the second you assume that, you know, what the fuck is going on uh, is when you turn into an asshole and you're the one. Standing in traffic, screaming at somebody about how they choose to live their life. You don't. You just like my backyard. It needs enough work. Like yeah. I got to focus. I got to focus on that. And and life clearly is never the same thing from day to day. My life, your life, anybody's existence is is always going to be changing a little bit. And if you stop evolving um, with that. Uh, is when things get problematic. I agree. I agree. I mean, I definitely see it now as my kid, one kid has left home and the other is, is heading that way. Um, I have to push forward with the person I am. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't, you can't continue to define yourself the way you've always defined yourself. You have to expand the definition all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially because you've been dad right? and you've, you've been that you've, you've filled this role for these two young expanding minds and maybe, and, and not just you, but anyone who is, has focused uh, energy into parenting uh, that maybe you stop concentrating on learning yourself because it takes so much juice to help steward and guide these young minds who are living rent free <laughs> in your home. No, I think, th- I think that is true. I think the first service that the, your kids do for you is they move you out of the center of your life. You, you, it's, it right. is helpful not to be the most important thing. Uh, as much as possible, but then, uh, once they are, once they are become their own independent selves, right now you have this chance, this opportunity to become a new thing, not, not to become the old thing again, to become an entirely new thing informed by whatever just happened. That yeah. is a, that's a head fuck, but or it's also stag- pretty fun or a stagnant thing. You know, where you just are like treading water and kind of staying in the same place. <laughs> that is one option. Um, uh, okay, question three. Uh, would you rather know exactly when all the people you love were going to die, but not how? Or how are they were going to die, but not when? Oh, God. Feel, I, I'm just... so, I apologize for this one, because when I wrote it, I was like, I was like, this is the bummer episode. But now I feel like it's just piling on. 
<laughs> now I just feel like <laughs> like you fell down and then in, uh, I put my hand out to help you up, but then pushed you down again. That's what uh-huh. I think. Uh, I'm glad that my I'm in a pretty good mindset, so I can kind of roll through this, and it's not gonna like we're not gonna hang up the call. I'm just gonna be like, eh, fuck it, fuck today. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, today, I think I'm going to go meet my mom and have a pedicure and have lunch with her because that's what oh, I do with so her nice. sometimes. I'm supposed to do that yesterday, but she was feeling a little bit under the weather, so maybe we're going to do it today. Um, I think rather know uh, when. Um, I think I'd rather know. No, I think I'd rather know how. When I would just focus. I would then it would give me like I don't pay any attention to the day or the time or calendars or any of it. Yeah, but if I knew that, I would become fucking obsessed. Yeah, and uh, I'll just say how, and that's a lot of information. You'd be like, everybody you know is going to die in a car crash, and they'd be like, well, okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but if you said, you know, like fifteen people are going to have cancer, there's going to be some leukemia, there's going to be a house fire, there's going to be, you know, that's just too much information to keep track of. So you just say like, okay, well, fuck. I know everybody I love is going to die in some way or another, but uh, that's for future me to worry about. I think I'd probably take that, too, with the gamble that, like, if you find out, you know, your mom dies in a violent car accident, it would color today's Manny Petty session. You'd be like, oh, mom. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of like maybe, I mean, if if you were uh, strong enough of of head and heart it might change the way you interact with people and just say like oh i'm really gonna i'm gonna love the fuck out of you while we're here together yeah which it should we should i mean honestly like well i mean to your to our point a second ago about you know trying to be better humans as we go along this is part of it right like i try to be more obvious in how I show the people I love that I love them. I try to be more consistent and more obvious. Don't, yeah. Show the, what did you say? Show the people you you love, how you love them? Whatever. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like that. Um, All right. Well, I I think we, uh, we solved a bunch more of the world's problems today. Here's your outro. Thanks for spending another hour with us. Death comes for us all and time is precious. So have a good laugh anytime you fart audibly because you never know which fart might be your last. On behalf of the Cycling Independent and Revolting Podcast, I'm steve I'm Robot. Don't forget to uh, live life like you want to live another day by tomorrow. (laughs) 